0: The reading today is Matthew 5, verses 3 to 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Good morning, everybody. Uh, It's great to be uh, with you again. Um, It's been a busy month, so we're dotting around all over the place, but it's great to be here this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Ali. I'm the associate priest here, um, but I'm also a self-supporting minister, which means that I have a full-time job. And so in my working life, I am an IT uh, project manager, and for me, God has said that my ministry is about being in the workplace and trying to do the best uh, that I can in that place. So, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going um, to share what's been prepared. So, Heavenly Father, just, um, I offer you all that has been prepared. Lord, will you take it, breathe your spirit through it, and speak into our hearts, so that as we go into this new week, we may be strengthened and equipped to be your presence, your light, in the world around us. Amen. Okay, cool. So this morning, I want to think about the text from a very specific work context. That's not to say that as we walk through the passage, it can't be applied to any other situation as it can. But what I'm hoping to do is to offer a reflection from my own working practice, in order to bring the concept of Jesus's teaching to life within our current culture. So here is the scenario. It's based on a real situation, but I've avoided specifics uh, for the obvious reasons. So the Change Portfolio team, along with the senior management, have taken this decision that they're going to introduce a quarterly planning exercise. The purpose of this session is for each project in the Change Portfolio to produce some key information as a basis for discussion and challenge. And it's about working out can we deliver the plan of change that we want to deliver. I've probably lost quite a lot of you by now, haven't I? Some of you will get it, but anyway. So, The information that we have to prepare up front is this. The change that we are going to be delivering to the organization, the timeline, so when it's gonna be delivered, the key risks, so those are the things that may go wrong, and the actions that we've got sorted in order to prevent them from going wrong, or if it does happen, what we're going to do about it. Those key issues, so the problems that we're dealing with right at this moment in time, and the dependencies. So whether one project needs to deliver something for another project, it's the connectedness uh, between them. It's the first attempt at this planning exercise and so the decision is taken that they're not gonna cover every project, they're just gonna cover the big ones. And the meeting is planned for two hours. Okay, are you with me? Good, just about so the day arrives we've done our preparation and we are ready the meeting starts we have an overview of what the meeting is going to hold and we move on to the projects the first few projects including my own walk through the information prepared questions are asked and conversations are positive now you have to bear in mind that i am also thinking i've got another meeting that's coming up i haven't prepped for that i could really do with some time back and it's 65 minutes in we have one more project to go yes we're going to finish early and i'm going to be able to get myself prepped for the next one okay There is a slight hitch, though, because this last project to go is basically the brand new sparkly project that everybody wants to be on, and ultimately, it's going to change the way that business will work in the future. Okay, 10 minutes in, the presenter has not stopped talking. 10 minutes in, the presenter has not even covered the first element of what needs to be covered. And then, what unfolds over the remaining 55 minutes is that they go on to give a full presentation of all that they're doing, including a system demonstration, and they don't cover the items set on the agenda. And what I think makes it even worse is the behaviour is validated by the chair of the meeting who tells them it was good to show off. It's not that the information was interesting, not interesting or not worth knowing because it was, but the thing that I really noticed, and from my perspective, it was the wrong time and the wrong place. So... Let's just pause for a moment. How might you react to that situation? How might you react to that situation? There's some grimaces going on here. Well, I'll tell you how I reacted. I was flipping livid. (laughs) And the the reason why I was so angry was because I felt that the project team had decided that it was appropriate to do something that was completely different to what the meeting was for. And that in taking that decision, they had not only disrespected the chair and the purpose of the meeting, but they had disrespected everybody else by taking up their time when we needed it very often to do something else. In fact, I was so livid that I rang my line manager and had a rant. And whilst I was ranting, I was frantically typing the email to go to the chair saying, what were you doing? Thankfully, my line manager talked me down. And I didn't send the email. But if I look at that situation against the verse we've had today, um, I think I have to say that my reaction, meek would not fit that description in any way, shape or form. So what does our beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, mean. And once we've considered that, then I'm going to go back to the work scenario. So to understand the verse, I think there's a couple of jigsaw pieces that we need to be aware of. Firstly, we've covered it in the earlier sessions, but let's remember that the Beatitudes are a summons to live in the present, in the way of God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom through Jesus is present both here in this place, but it's also in the future as well. It's also to come. We know that Jesus lived his life at odds with the society around him. He followed God's way, not the way of the world. And as his followers, we too are called to believe that God's way is the way to live and to follow it. We have some really good examples in the Bible of people who were considered to be meek. So first of all, there's Moses. Um, In Numbers 12 and verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all men that were on the face of the earth." And actually, Jesus was also described as meek in a couple of places. So in Matthew 11, verse 29, you'll hear, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then in Matthew 21, when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on the donkey, the prophecy about him says this, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you. Meek and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. If we look at some of the interpretations of scripture, this word meek is often interpreted as humble or gentle. And those interpretations point us in the direction of what we mean by the word meek. Jesus is referring to those who are humble and gentle, those who depend upon God and refrain from responding in anger, not like I did, or with force against those who wrong them. Instead of using their own strength to set things right, they will trust that God will set them right. The Beatitude tells us that God will indicate the meek and will give them the honourable position that they did not aggressively seek for themselves. Thirdly, it's also helpful to know that this verse is actually a quote from Psalm 37, verse 11. Psalm 37 is a part of a set of psalms that are attributed to King David and deal with the idea or the concept of being delivered. Within each of the psalms, there is an acknowledgement of a human need and a note of the graciousness of God. Um, One commentator, Alistair McGrath, puts it like this. In the midst of all these dangers and threats, David knows that his true security lies with the Lord. Nothing can take this from him. When we look at Psalm 37 as a whole, it considers the question that actually we probably all need to consider at some point, in some way, in some shape, in some form. And it's simply this how do we choose to live our lives? Will it be like those who do not acknowledge God, so those are referred to as wicked in the psalm, and those who often appear to prosper and become wealthy through their choices? Or will will it be God's way that we follow? Ooh, just lost my mic. There we go. Hang on. And the choice, really, is between the pressures of the present and the promises of the future. But what I found out, and like best about this psalm, is that it doesn't speak to people who have got it sorted. It speaks into the situation where actually keeping the faith is difficult. When you are teetering on that edge, tempted to make your own choices, then in this psalm, the first nine verses provides teaching on the right and the wrong way to respond to the success of the wicked. And the rest of it then, then is a variation of the theme. It urges the listener to stick close to God. Verse four says, trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But it's hard to trust when actually, you know, you could just go get it yourself. Um, But anyway, um, and then in verse 10 and verse 11, you have this promise, yet a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight in abundant prosperity. Which brings us really neatly back to Jesus' teaching. As his followers, we are summoned to live a life that demonstrates God's kingdom present in this world in the here and now. God's way, and I have the voice of the Mandalorian in my head at the point, At this point. God's way is one of meekness, of being humble and gentle, of being people who choose not to react in anger, but to trust that their security and position will be given by God, rather than taking it for themselves. (laughs) Do you know, the choice is always before us, and yet in those difficult situations, there is that ongoing whisper of God saying, depend on me, trust in me. So let's go back to the work scenario. What is the alternative reaction that I could have had in that scenario? Well, as I ponder it, I think the feelings of anger as a reaction of the behaviour displayed are not entirely wrong. But actually, the way I managed it was not great. Instead of getting really angry and ranting, actually, I could have been an awful lot gentler. I didn't need to take it quite so personally. And I didn't need to have the conversation with my line manager. And perhaps instead a deep breath, an arrow prayer, and the ability to let go might have been a more appropriate response. Oh, and wait for the request for feedback because that would have been the appropriate time to say, actually, maybe what happened wasn't so great. But blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Amen.
1: Thanks so much, Ali. Um, Ali's just talked, hasn't she, about how blessed are the meek, and that describes Jesus, the one who is gentle and lowly. Um, our next song actually picks up on some of the ways in which Jesus is gentle and lowly. He could have snapped his fingers, couldn't he, and had everything uh, on a plate for him. He could have looked at the cross and said, actually, no, I don't really want to do that. But we've got a God who gently, who humbles himself to become obedient, as we were hearing in Philippians, even to death on a cross. And so we're going to sing of that If you know the actions and you'd like to do them, uh, then please do join Mel in doing them. She'll be doing them over there. Um, And uh, if you don't know the actions, that's fine. Let's stand uh, and, uh, and sing, Lord, I lift your name on high.